When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Friday, September 2nd, 2016 here on the Patriot Feet Podcast, episode number 137. Ladies and gentlemen, the time that you all have been waiting for is finally here. The preseason is over. On this episode, we'll give you some great roster predictions as well as a little bit of a preview for the Patriots games against the Arizona Cardinals in week one. Very excited to give you this show and I hope you guys enjoy it. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. they are going to affect the game. We're also finally going to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can bring to the table as an NFL quarterback. Is he the quarterback of the future or is he going to be just a very, very, very nice trade chip to get another first round pick in the future to keep revitalizing this incredibly young defense that the Patriots have put together. But unfortunately, the Patriots lost their final preseason, I guess unfortunately, lost their final preseason game to the New York football giants by a score of 17 to 9 which is about all you really need to know about their fourth preseason game. But like I said in the intro, the only thing that really matters from here on out until week one is what is the final roster going to be for the New England Patriots. Now, one of the things I'll prep everybody right now before I get into this, I'm not one for hot takes. I'm not one for, you know, crazy predictions with rosters. I think if you look at the Patriots roster now, I think it's very, very clear what the Patriots are going to do. I think there's a couple moving pieces, but I think the top 48 players on the roster is very much set. I think that those guys really, you know, pushed themselves forward in the preseason, really made it clear that they wanted a starting spot on this roster and very much so just were very outward in how much they wanted to be a part of this team. And they made it so. I mean, I think Terrence Knighton not making this team was a credit to just how hungry some of these young guys are. I mean, I I am so impressed with the amount of young guys on this team 
that have gone head over foot trying to get onto this roster and beating out some veterans that I just did not expect to miss a roster spot. I mean, I did not expect, if you told me that Terrence Knighton was going to get cut before the fourth preseason game, I mean, oh, I, 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 I would have called you crazy. I, I, I thought you were a complete fool. But anyway, uh, Adam Bogdan, our great friend from Patriots Inform, is going to come on later. A uh, guy, opinion I respect a lot. He's going to come on and give us his official roster predictions. I'll be throwing some names out to him and seeing what he thinks and their chances to make the roster. But like I said, we kind of know who the roster is, but you know, I'm going to go through you guys. We'll go through the full 53, every single position, and give you guys a solid list down of what the Patriots opening day week one roster will be. So without further ado, let's get right underway. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start with the quarterback position. This, this position is probably the easiest one that you're going to find. This first position is quarterback. And I think we all know who the Patriots quarterbacks are going to be. Tom Brady, obviously, you're number one. Jimmy Grappolo, obviously, you're number two. And Jacoby Brissett, you're number three. So moving on to the rest of the roster, let's go down to running backs. Because running back on this team is probably one of the most contested positions, I think. And, you know, after this fourth preseason game, I think, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find a way to make sure that DJ Foster doesn't make this team. I mean, I think that he offers something that really no one else on this offense offers outside of Deion Lewis, who's going to start the season on the pup. I mean, DJ Foster just adds an element of explosiveness, pass catching out of the backfield, explosive running outside the tackles that, you know, as much as I do enjoy having James White on the team, you know, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, he's been incredibly inconsistent uh, ever since he's come to the Patriots. I mean, last season we'd see him have games where he would just take just blow defenses apart in other games where, you know, he, he still can't run the ball. I mean, I, like, the guy can't do a draw play. I mean, I know they drafted him to be Shane Vereen's replacement, who, you know, they never should have let go, or Danny Woodhead for that matter. But, you know, just what, what James White doesn't bring to the table, DJ Foster does. He brings athleticism, he brings explosiveness, he brings big plays, and he brings consistent, excuse me, he brings consistent quality football plays on offense. So I think that DJ Foster is going to end up making this team. That doesn't mean James White's not. I do think, unfortunately, it means that Tyler Gaffney isn't going to make this team. I know that I've consistently been high on him throughout this entire preseason. I know it's a little bit weird for me to take that big of a step back on him, but he didn't perform well in his fourth preseason game as a starter. He got hurt again in the third quarter, had his helmet taken away from him. He couldn't play the rest of the game. And, you know, if you're going to play in the NFL and you want to be on a team you got to stay on the field. But I do think he's done enough on this team to uh, to warrant himself a, uh, excuse me, a practice squad spot. So Tyler Gaffney on the practice squad wouldn't surprise me. But I think DJ Foster makes the 53 over Tyler Gaffney, which is really impressive because DJ Foster's only played two games and Tyler Gaffney's been around for two years. So will be really impressive to see uh, what DJ, Har- DJ Foster excuse me, can bring to the table. But anyway, speaking of Harbor, Clay Harbor is another guy who, you know, I'm going to kind of group DJ, uh, excuse me, Clay Harper, I'm getting all my D's and J's, okay, club AJ Derby, Clay Harper, and Aaron Dobson into the same conversation here, because these are three guys who I think are fighting for two roster spots, and unfortunately, it seems like Aaron Dobson did not do enough. I thought he had played really well the first two preseason games, but the last two preseason games, he completely crapped the bed, just 
no explosiveness. Here we go again, trying to catch with his body. He can't hold on to the ball. He he's not running good routes. Like, well, here we go again. The Aaron Dobson hype train has again fallen off the all oh, fall off the railings. I'm sad because I was Aaron Dobson's biggest fan. I thought he was going to take the league by storm when he got drafted by the Pats in the second round a couple years ago. Unfortunately, athleticism does not equal constant NFL success. It only equals interesting college highlights, I suppose. But, no, I think A.J. Derby, because they've been playing A.J. Derby as more of an outside, uh, more of an outside X receiver rather than an inline tight end like we see with Gronkowski and Bennett. And I really like him in that role. I think him being a former quarterback, as Anna Bogdan will bring up, you know, good route runner, decent hands, decent athlete. And I also think he creates a size mismatch out on the edge that, you know, the Patriots don't really have on this offense. I mean, sure, Chris Hogan's 6'1", but like, you know, 6'1 is 6'1". He's, he's, he's not, you know, jumping over people to make catches. But A.J. Derby, I'm pretty sure, I don't have his his uh, his heightened stats in front of me, but, you know, he seems to be a good 6'3", 6'3 and a half. And that kind of size on offense can really do some big things for you. And I think that he's going to really make an impact this year if he makes the team. Uh, Clay Harbor is a guy who I didn't think was going to make the team a couple weeks ago until I saw Aaron Dobson's struggles. I do think Clay Harbor does make the team now. It, it's, it, it'll be tough. I don't think he will last. I think he makes the team simply because there are a lot of injuries on the pup. I think once Amendola comes back, he's probably the first guy on the, cutting, uh, on the chopping block, excuse me, just because I don't think he brings enough to the table as a playmaker to fit on this offense once Brady comes back. So Clay Harbor makes the roster for now, but probably not after week three or four. But anyway, moving on to, again, to the wide receiver position. Um, your wide receivers, excuse me, your running backs, your final, I'll just give you a final list through. Your running backs for me are going to be LeGarrette Blunt, Brandon Bolden, James White, and DJ Foster. All this crazy talk of Brandon Bolden not making the roster is crazy talk. Brandon Bolden, is a sub-package running back, one of the leaders in the locker room, a special teams captain, and an ace, been in their system for years. The, 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 the locker room loves him. The running backs love him. Stop your shenanigans. Brandon Bolden's making this team. Um, moving to tight ends, well, obviously James Devlin's going to make this team. Gronk, Bennett, A.J. Derby are making this team. Unfortunately, Bryce Williams isn't going to make the team. I know he has a big Colt fan base out there. Unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I should say, I do think he will make the practice squad. Uh, moving on to wide receiver, Julian Edelman will make this team. Malcolm Mitchell obviously will make the team. Chris Hogan, Amendola, and Keisha Martin will make the team. I think Devin Lucian and Chris Harper have, uh, I, excuse me, I think Devin Lucian and DeAndre Carter have done enough to warrant a spot on the practice squad. I do not think that Chris Harper has done enough to re-secure his spot on the practice squad. I just don't think he does anything particularly good. I think he's a little bit undersized. I think he's fast. But if you're fast and you don't have hands, then, you know, you're just fast. He hasn't shown any sort of ability on special teams. He's, he's, yeah, I don't think Chris Harper's is on this team. I think DeAndre Carter brings a little bit more to the table than he does. But um, tackle's a big part, uh, part of this roster that has been going really back and forth with people. And I think, obviously, you know, Nate Solder coming back from that uh, terrible injury last season with the, I want to say, was it a, a torn pec? A torn bicep? Or something in his upper echelon of body parts. So Nate Solder has not looked great. I think he's just a little rusty. I'm going to chalk it up to rust for the first couple weeks just because he hasn't played football in so long. Like you can't even practice if you have a torn bicep or pec. You just have to sit out and wait for 
it's a heel. So we'll see what happens with Nate Solder throughout the season. I think he'll end up being okay. He is in line for a big contract at the end of the season if he does perform well. So, hey, you know, the, the Harris Rubenstein contract year conclusion? I don't even know what like, predicament. I don't even know what you call it. The Harris Rubenstein contract situation. I don't know. Contract situation. So, you know, anytime these guys are on one-year contracts, is why they gave away Chandler Jones, because they knew that Chandler Jones was going to put up 20 sacks and want some ridiculous Olivier Vernon deal, which they just weren't going to pay him. But anyway, moving on from my crazy shenanigans, uh, the rest of these tackles, Marcus Cannon has, as I bring up with Bogdan later, completely changed his tune. What, what happened to Marcus Cannon? Marcus Cannon woke up one day and was like, man, I'm going to be a decent NFL right tackle. Out of nowhere. Maybe they kept trying to play him at left tackle and it wasn't working or he didn't play very well at right tackle last season. I, I, look, when the god of offensive lineman Dante Skarniecki comes back into your team and sees something in you, I think that does a lot. You know, just credit to good, big, big, big ups to Marcus Cannon for really improving his, his spot on this team and really solidifying that right tackle position for the rest of the year. If he's good enough, Vollmer's gone. Let me make that very clear. If Marcus Cannon is good this year, Sebastian Vollmer is just done. They might cut him. There's just no reason for him with his injury problems and his massive contract. Vollmer's done after this year if Marcus Cannon is any sort of serviceable at right tackle. But also someone who I think uh, a little bit of a roster battle here. I think that Cameron Fleming makes the roster <coughs> Excuse me, over Adrian Waddle. I don't think I haven't. I just don't see it with Waddle. You know, a lot of people bring this up to me that they see something in Waddle that apparently I just don't. But I, I think Fleming still has a little bit more potential. I think Cameron Fleming, a Stanford guy, just so much athleticism, so much size, and if you can hone those skills, then you're really in line to create a really, really good NFL offensive tackle. So, <coughs> excuse me, taking some water here. I think Fleming makes the roster over Adrian Waddle. Moving on to the guard position. So everyone's new favorite New England Patriot, Joe Tooney, is now your starting left guard. I think, oh, excuse me, we had someone in the preseason um, predict that he was going to end up being the starting left guard. I forget who it was that we brought on the show, but I thought he was crazy because I didn't think that Joe Tooney was very good when I watched him on tape from college. But boy, oh boy. Joe, <laughs> Joe Tooney is an impressive player. Joe Tooney's a really good guard. I'm happy that they drafted him and transferred him over from tackle to guard. Another great job by Dante Scarnacchia. So Joe Tooney, Josh Klein, Jonathan Cooper, and Shaq Mason, to me, are your starting or are your guards for the year. Trey Jackson, obviously, starting the year. Was it on the pup or the designated IR? I think it was the pup. Either way, I don't know if Trey Jackson really does have a future on this team. We'll, re we'll see how Jonathan Cooper plays when he finally comes back. They very clearly, like I said last week, want him to start. Um, every single time he's been playing or practicing, he has <coughs> ran with the ones and just you know done a really good job at actually, you know, pra he's practiced pretty well when he's actually played, but unfortunately he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Then obviously your centers are going to be David Andrews, and I guess... I guess Ted Karras makes this roster as just kind of your rotational interior lineman for depth. I mean, he's going to make the roster just because he's a first-year player and they need depth at interior offensive line since we all know how quickly interior offensive linemen can deteriorate over the course of a season. So very important to have him on the team. 
Uh, unfortunately, Jalapio, his return didn't really mean much for this roster. And also, Chris Barker is probably not going to make the team. It's just He's just not that talented enough. Anyway, moving on to the defensive side of the ball. Um, defense, you know, starting with D.N., I mean, I don't really think there are a lot of big question marks anymore. Javal Sheard, Chris Long, uh, Rob Ninkovich, Trey Flyer is going to make this team. Gino Grissom, I have, I do think, has made, has done enough to make this team. I just think he's a decent player. Um, you know, I, 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 I like what Gino Grissom brings to the table. I think that he's a, a decently athletic guy. I think he just needs a little more refinement at the position. I think if they take him on for another year, he could actually turn into a nice sub-rotational uh, uh, package rusher. Uh, a D-tackle, Malcolm Brown, Alan Branch, Vincent Valentine, uh, Anthony Johnson, and Marcus Kuhn. I still think Marcus Kuhn makes this team despite the fact that Anthony Johnson has played so much better than he has in this preseason. Um, Anthony Johnson's a good player. I still just don't trust him with that roster spot. And I also do think, as Bogdan will bring up, one of their big weaknesses this year could be their run defense. Uh, they don't really have a lot of big bodies. So I think that Marcus Kuhn is going to supply that big body as a backup guy to both Allen Branch and Malcolm Brown if they need to stock up against the run. Uh, let's move over to linebacker. Linebacker, Jamie Collins, Dante Hightower, Freeney obviously makes the roster with his new deal that he signed. I, I thought he was on his way off the roster, but hey, apparently he's beloved in that locker room. So hey, good for him. Glad to see him stay on the roster if he's that big of a player in the locker room for them. Uh, I don't think Landon Roberts has done enough to make this team. Uh, he got hurt tonight. I, re- I think he's worked his way out of the practice squad. I think they need to work on his refinement as an NFL player. I think he could end up being kind of like, uh, uh, who did I bring up before? Kind of like Gino Grissom. I think with the proper NFL refinement, they could turn him into a really nice linebacker. He's a little bit undersized, but boy, oh boy, that guy's a tackling machine. I still think he needs to get a little bit higher on the IQ list to uh, make this roster. But I think that's just going to take a little bit of time. I think he's on his way to being a pretty decent NFL linebacker. But one person I need to talk about. So I recorded the podcast last Thursday. I'm recording this podcast Thursday, September 1st, after the Pats game. So last Thursday I recorded the podcast, and then the Patriots trade for Barkevius Mingo. And then so I don't get to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about Barkevius Mingo and how much I love this trade. Even before his game tonight, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. This is a guy that they've been after for a couple of years now. One of the most ridiculous athletes the NFL has to offer. It's hard to point that out because he really hasn't succeeded at the NFL level yet. But, I mean, just like go look at his combine numbers and go watch him in college. Like, this guy is insane. What an unbelievable athlete this guy is. It's really exciting to see him on the football field. And just tonight, he comes in his first game. Apparently, according to Belichick, he's been all over the training facility trying to learn this defense. Comes in, gets two consecutive strip sacks. Incredible player. I think Barkevius Mingo fits perfectly onto this linebacking core as more of a backup to Shea McClellan, if anything, just to give him a little bit more depth or give them a little more depth at the outside linebacker position. I, I really like Mingo. I think Mingo is going to make a really, really big time uh, impact on this roster. Another guy, uh, so their, their uh, linebackers will be Collins, Barkevius Mingo, Dante Hightower, Jonathan Freeney, Shea McClellan. And I think Kaimu Greiger-Hill makes this team. I think he's in that weird kind of transitional role in the NFL linebacker safety combo. So I brought this up to my dad because he doesn't like Jordan Richards a lot. And he, because he thinks Jordan Richards is, is uh, Patrick Chung's natural backup. 
I disagree. I think Griger Hill is actually who they plan on being Patrick Chung's backup. Because Griger Hill is a special teams, but also like a inside-the-box linebacker-safety combo player that we really started to see Patrick Chung thrive in last season. But once he went down, they just didn't have anybody on the roster at all that could make up for that difference. And I think that's the reason they drafted Griger Hill. I think that if Chung ever goes down and they need to bring in another big body in sub-packages, Griger Hill is going to come in. Because, man, he another incredible athlete. I can't get over how incredibly athletic this Patriots linebacking core is. Outstanding, the players that the, uh, that Bill Belichick has put together for this core. I think he sees the need for the safety linebacker position in the NFL. I know that corners and defensive line is important. But if you look at any successful defense in the NFL, and I always go back to the dream team with the Eagles. Sure, they had a great defensive line. They had Namdi and DRC and whatever. But what were the two things they didn't have? They had no linebackers and they had no safeties. Downfall. You need linebackers, you need safeties in the modern day NFL. You're not going to be able to cover anybody in the middle of the field. The middle of the field is arguably more important than the barriers in, this, in today's NFL. With all these cutting routes and massive tight ends, it's just, it's just so hard to be a defense if you have nobody who can cover. Excuse me, if you have nobody who can cover over the middle. So I think Griger Hill is going to be a really, 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 really big time player for this uh, defense this year. So let's move on to cornerbacks. Uh, Malcolm Butler will make this team. Logan Ryan, Cyrus Jones, Justin Coleman is also going to make this team. And the number five corner, I'm going to give my prediction here. I agree. I think Mike Loiko posted his roster predictions tonight as well, uh, Thursday night going into Friday. I agree with him. I think Craven LeBlanc makes this team. I think he's really st- stepped up this uh, offseason, beat, beat out Jonathan Jones, guy from Auburn, and also beat out Daryl Roberts a guy who's been here for now his second year. I think they were beat out by this guy. I think LeBlanc just played better. I mean, if you ever watch him, whenever he was attacked, sure, he doesn't have the greatest makeup speed, and sure, he doesn't have the greatest size, but man, does this guy try hard. I, I, I love the effort you see with him on a football field. He, if he ever gets beat, he tries to come back harder the next play. I remember the game against the Panthers. They just kept throwing at him over and over and over again. He kept just performing well. I think they only caught about, I know it's they only, but I think they only were like 6 for 13 targeting him. Which, you know, you want to see better, but if you have three pass breakups and, you know, 50% completion percentage on a, on a fifth string corner, especially six for 13, I mean, that's pretty good. I'll take that. So, I think LeBlanc makes his team. I think Jonathan Jones, his late run with his success with the special teams helped. I think he's earned himself a practice squad spot as well. Daryl Roberts, we'll see if he actually can make his way onto the practice squad. I'm not sure. So, moving on to safety. Dem McCourty, obviously, Deron Harmon, Patrick Chung, Nate Ebner make this team. I do think that Jordan Rogers makes this team. Second-year player, no reason to kick him off just yet. He does have an incredibly high IQ and is a great guy in the locker room as well. I think it's just going to need a little bit more seasoning to get him NFL ready. Um, I think Vinny Sinceri is an interesting case. I think Vinny, Sinc- Vinny Sinceri was the guy that, I'm pretty, that they were targeting coming out of college almost in the second round. Before he tore his ACL in his senior season, or his junior season, before he went back for his senior season. So, unfortunate for Vinny Sinceri, uh, but I do think he's going to make the practice squad. I think Vinny Sinceri is a guy who just needs a couple more years in football to get back to his old form that we saw with him in Alabama. Because he was a very good safety with Alabama before he went down. So, I think he's going to end up making the practice squad. Just because I think he's a very talented player. He just needs a little bit more time. And then, obviously... Your special teams people, Steven Goskowski, Ryan Allen, Joe Cardona is your long snapper, and then your two special teams aces 
and Matthew Slater and Brandon King. I, one more thing I need to mention about this roster before we bring on Adam Bogdan. This roster, especially on defense, I would love to see this roster on paper. I'm not talking about on the field. We'll see what happens on the field. On paper, I think this roster can go toe-to-toe with any roster in the NFL and maybe be better. I, I am stunned by how deep of a roster they've able to, uh, I guess, create. Incredibly impressive, the things that they've been able to do with this defense over the past couple of years, especially with them now switching to a 5-2 defense, which I'll explain in a little bit. So, incredible what they've done on their depth on uh, defense. Offense, you know, still needs to work out the kinks. I think the first four weeks are going to be rough with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I, I am officially predicting a 2-2 two and two record for them. I think they'll lose two games uh, to, I think they'll lose to Arizona. I think they'll lose one of the divisional games. I think they'll beat Houston at home, and they'll beat one of Miami or Buffalo, but I don't think they'll be able to be able to get anywhere close to that. So before I send you guys over to Adam Bogdan, I want to explain, I've been tweeting, if you want to go follow me on Twitter, find me at Sportsteen. Uh, I'd love to talk to you guys about some Patriots stuff before the season starts. I would love to start a mailbag. I'll get, we're doing uh, a big promotions with uh, FanDuel, so I'll bring that up in a little bit. If you guys want to join a league uh, with Patriots Beat, I'll give you the info before we bring on Bogdan. But, so let me explain this 5-2 defense. So what the Patriots are going to be doing this season is something that they were experimenting with, with a little bit last year with Chandler Jones, but he just he wasn't quite the right kind of player to be able to do it because he is a real you know pin your ears back and just rush the passer kind of dude. So what they're going to be doing this year, you're going to see two down linemen, probably Malcolm Brown and one of Allen Branch, Jabal Sheard, or uh, Vincent Valentine, something of the sort. So what they're going to do, they're going to have two down linemen. The edges are going to be standing up, but they're also going to have a linebacker on the, the line as well. And what they're going to be doing constantly, this includes the interior guys. We saw this in the game against the Panthers, and it confused the ever-living ever hell out of, out of Cam Newton. So they're just going to be cycling back and forth between who's going to be rushing and who's going to be covering. And on any given play, the opposing quarterback is going to have no idea until he snaps the ball who is going to be, who's, who's blitzing, who's dropping into coverage. You could have five, you could have three linebackers dropping into coverage and only two guys rushing, or you could have a seven guys rushing at you with five guys in coverage. They're going to be cycling up this defense for a big time. I think this is going to be where you see Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick's defensive just wizardry really attack this team. I am very excited to see what they do on defense. These linebacker blitzes and dropping into coverage, even someone like Chris Long, we saw in the Panthers game make a really nice play when they dropped him into coverage. So I think we're going to see them do a lot of this dropping into coverage stuff, almost to the point I'm going to go out of limb here and say they're going to have do a lot of revolutionary stuff with this 5-2 defense that I don't think a lot of the NFL has seen before. I think they have the perfect amount of players to do it with Hightower and Collins being able to blitz the passer incredibly well. I think this is what they've been forming. This incredibly athletic, Mingo is the perfect example for this, a guy who can drop into coverage or just have that incredible speed around the edge. He's the perfect guy for this system. So I think they're just going to be cycling back and forth between these blitzes and rushers. I'm going to be very impressed to see what they can do with this defense this year. 2-2 two and two record in the first two games without Brady. My official prediction for the season, I think they go 12-4. and four, They go 10-2 and two down the stretch. I think the rest of the AFC is a little bit weak. I think they pull out the number one seed. I think we're going to go 
the Patriots up top. Uh, number two, I think he, I really do think that the Houston Texans are going to make a really big jump this year. I'm a big believer in Brock Osweiler. Don't ask me why. I just have a feeling about it. We'll go uh, the Houston Texans number two seed. Then we're going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs as the, the wait. Uh, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs as the three seed. Sorry, forgot my divisions for a second. And then the four seed, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to sneak in there at 97. I do not think they are a Super Bowl contender. I think all you crazy people who think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a playoff team need to go back to last season and watch the fact that they still do not have any cornerbacks. They do not have them. They do not exist. Is Antoine Blake still on the team, or did he, did, did he leave? I wouldn't be surprised because he was horrible last season. Thank God the Patriots didn't sign him. So, I, Patriots get the one seed this year, 12-4 record, 2-2 two two in the first weeks. I think Brady comes back with a vengeance. I know it's a little biased to say that the Patriots are my official Super Bowl favorite, but I just think that you look at the AFC, there just is not a single team that has the depth and the talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball. And I think as you look at the NFC, the only couple teams that really have the talent to beat the Patriots are teams that the, the Patriots are actually going to play already next season in the Seahawks and the Cardinals. They're going to get a good look at them. So if they ever end up meeting them in the Super Bowl, I think the Patriots are going to come out on top. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, before we bring on Adam Bogdan, join me in celebrating for the fact that the wait is over. Football is back, which also means that FanDuel is back. Fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Get even more contest variety. New this year with an upgraded experience. Try some new beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest. Or try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash or play in a larger tournament for even more action. Play for a dollar choices for any single budget. I actually tried DraftKings last year, and I just I just didn't like it. So I moved over to FanDuel last year, gave it a couple of shots. I actually really did fall in love with it. So much so that Patriots Beat this year is actually going to be having our own league. So go find the CLNS Patriots post-game league. It's free to enter for all contests. We want as many people as we possibly can to join. Excuse me. The league is actually called Patriots Beat. So go search Patriots Beat. We want as many people to join us as possible. I'll be in it. The Pats postgame guys will be in it. Michael Longi will be in it. Our beat writers will be in it. So come join. We'd love to have you guys just, you know, have a lot of fun this season uh, with FanDuel. Have all the fantasy football I have to offer. FanDuel, be sports rich. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the Join Now button and use my code, Patriots. Special offer for new users. Deposit today and you will get five free entries to NFL Beginner Contest, you will get one free entry a week, five weeks in a row. They're 50-50 contests where the top half of players win cash. Don't forget to use my code PATRIOTS for five free entries, void where prohibited. With that being said, let's welcome in Adam Bogdan. Adam, give me your thoughts on this Patriots roster. Well, great stuff. Did you watch the game tonight? No, I couldn't find it anywhere, unfortunately, so I had to keep up to date with Twitter. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, I watched like, 10 minutes of it, and you didn't really miss much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess to, to get right into it as normal, the one thing I did notice about uh, this game, so you know, we'll do a little bit of a roster prediction here, since that's what uh, this week's really all about with the Pats. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I just don't know how you keep DJ Foster off this team. Again tonight, <laughs> like nine touches for over 100 yards. He looked electric with the ball in his hands. I just... I don't know how you keep DJ Foster off this team. Yeah, I mean, after what he's done the last two weeks here, what he's done in practice, and 
how it seems the coaching staff is kind of uh, always from the start kind of had a lot of interest in him. I think that says a lot about what the coaching staff uh, uh, feels about him and what uh, his potential role is on this roster with uh, Lewis being on the pup list and possibly not being around for quite some time here. If James White goes down, that entire aspect of the offense goes away, and I think they think that's more difficult to pick up in terms of the running back responsibilities in the passing game is more difficult to pick up than probably like a LeGarrette Blunt role. And I think that's a little bit telling um, in terms of who they could possibly keep here. And, you know, one other thing that uh, I noticed about this on offense, um, you know, it's a little annoying because Keyshawn Martin ended up getting injured. Uh, They said that he was walking through the locker room with a wrap on his foot. But, I mean, we, we've heard rumors of Aaron Dobson being shopped around for trades, and he was still playing with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I mean, I thought over the first, like, two games of preseason that he might make this roster, but it seems very clear that I, I think that A.J. Derby might have taken a roster spot from him. Yeah, it's a little tough because I know um, him playing late in the game might have also been in part due to Nate Washington no longer being on the team, Hogan being the only other X on the team with Lucy and being hurt there. So I think that had a little bit um, for him playing at that particular time. But, yeah, he just – that interception earlier, I did see footage of that, and that was was ugly. Um, He did have the great play, but that's kind of been a microcosm of his career. He'll have one great play, and then it'll be two, three plays where you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, he's he's, uh, coming up short. He's not uh, finishing plays. He's not fighting for the ball. He's catching with his body. And with his size and athleticism, he should be doing a lot more with the tools that he has than uh, what he's been showing. So I think um, in this particular case, I think it's odd that the Patriots haven't put Amendola on Pup yet. I still think he's going to be there um, to start the season, ready to go. Mm -hmm. Um, That might be a long shot with how little he's practiced, but I just think with them holding on to him for this long – there's a reason why they did that instead of automatically making go to pup last week mm-hmm. uh, and keeping some guy around. Yeah, I have him so, listed on uh, as like in a pup uh, kind of category on my roster, mm-hmm. but it's interesting because they they haven't really played AJ Derby as an inline tight end for most of the preseason. We've seen him more really playing that X receiver outside role, and he's really taken mm-hmm. to it. He's he's run some good routes. He's made some good receptions. He's a very good repertoire with Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw mm-hmm. Tom Brady and him try to get on the same page, but I just don't think they play with each other in practice at all. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Derby, I think he's got a great aptitude for running traditional routes because of his quarterback experience. I think he's got an understanding of the route tree and kind of where you need to be in certain situations. So I think he's a very intelligent player, and I think that definitely helps with splitting him out wide. And it's also more fit for his body type. He's not a traditional blocking tight end. He's not a big, huge, gigantic guy like Gronk is per se. He's, he's big by all means, but mm-hmm. he's not uh, your everyday blocker. So I think that's kind of putting him out in a situation where he's bigger and faster than your average linebacker, and that gives him a distinct advantage. 
um, splitting him out there. So I think that's definitely a role that they're going to hopefully keep him around for um, as insurance for Bennett and uh, Gronk there. And then possibly, I'm still not sure what to think about Harbor, but I guess we'll find out <laughs> in the next days here what happens with him. Yeah, Clay Harbor is definitely one because they give him a two-year contract. I mean, not a lot of guaranteed money on it, but he was a player who I think they brought – they were t- they targeted him – when he came out of Philadelphia before the Jaguars got to him. So he was mm-hmm. clearly a person they were watching a lot. So maybe it's maybe they think that he lost the step or maybe lost something that might not be able to translate with their offense. It's interesting. Yeah, the, yeah with his contract, uh, they did something interesting, giving them a team option for that third year, and they did give him quite, well, not a ton of guaranteed money, but a significant uh, amount there for a typical free agent. And, I mean, with him... His value is definitely as a special teams guy who can also fill in at fullback and tight end. And we saw how bad the Patriots running game did without James Devlin. I know there are a lot of other factors going into that, but I think the fullback position is something they don't want to um, completely avoid in terms of depth because we saw that last year they put Shaq Mason back there and a few other guys. It's just... I think they really want someone back there who can be utilized as another fullback, and I think he's unique in that perspective that he offers special teams, tight end, and fullbacks. So I think um, just because we haven't seen a ton of them in the preseason, um, I know last week he had a pretty good uh, catch and run. I know he was a little wide open, but it was a big play that was called back. But I still think he's got a potential role on this team. I'm... I'm I'm so on the fence between him and a few other guys for the last roster spot. But I definitely think if he does stick around, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Now another position on offense. Before we move to defense, because defense is probably or the defense is probably the more competitive side of the ball, just because with it's so mm-hmm. deep and talented. But um, you know, Marcus Cannon has like just revolutionized his his NFL playing career these past couple weeks of preseason and practice. And, you know, I still think that the, uh, the help of Dante Scarnecchia has a lot to do with that. Now, another guy that played really well tonight who might have actually saved himself a roster spot over Adrian Waddle was Cameron Fleming. Cameron Fleming came in for the entire second half and played very well. He showed more of that promise that we saw his rookie season when they had him more playing as an inline tight end. But... He really did seem to finally have a good grasp on the tackle position, obviously as a backup. I don't really want him anywhere near the starting lineup. But, I mean, between Fleming and Waddle, obviously we're discussing people on like the 50, 51, 52 parts of the roster. Mm -hmm. I still think that Fleming has a chance to be your number one backup tackle. That's a big position on this team with Nate Solder not really playing uh, to what we thought he was going to. Yeah, that's... I mean, Waddle got signed to a two-year deal. They brought him in last year, and he Waddle has looked decent in the time that he's been there. Maybe not stellar, but he's also looked decent. It was very interesting to see Fleming in there, um, and I'm wondering if that was more just kind of the coaches wanting to see more of him to see if he's worth um, a final roster spot. In my opinion, I think Waddle's got the higher upside. I think Waddle has shown that. I mean, he was a starter in Detroit. He, he's got starting experience, and Fleming. Uh, last week looked brutal at times, and I don't know if it was the fact that the Giants didn't play any starters whatsoever and these were all roster bubble guys or they just didn't have the pass rush there. 
he did look better, and I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around. But I don't know if you can justify keeping him over a waddle um, who's got two years left on his deal and has got a little bit more experience and upside, I think. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a very interesting situation to see how comfortable they are with the tackle position. If they keep one of those guys or both of them, given the history of injuries between Solder and Cannon. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Cannon, I do remember Belichick was complimenting him on this is the best shape he's ever been in in New England. I think that says a lot towards his health and probably you know him trying to earn that contract that everyone has been saying he hasn't deserved yet. So it's completely possible that between him getting in shape, being healthy, and having Scar there that he's going to be the player we need him to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe not stellar, but... To get the job done, that's all we need. Mm-hmm. So moving to the defensive side of the ball now, you know, obviously Terrence Knighton getting cut was, I, you know, kind of a shock. I think if you would uh, have predicted that Terrence Knight was going to get cut before the fourth preseason game, back when they signed him, you know, you would have been called a heretic on Twitter. And, you know, tonight we see, again, another stellar performance from Anthony Johnson, who almost might have stolen a roster spot away from Marcus Kuhn. Anthony Johnson might have taken that fourth uh, D-tackle spot away from him just because Kuhn is good, but he hasn't really showed up a lot in the way that Anthony Johnson has. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, he's making plays. You can't, I mean, with the way he's been playing, you can't not have that on your roster. Yeah, it may, may have been against, you know, backup players, but, I mean, he's doing stuff that other players aren't. And with that kind of production, you can't ignore it, especially with how driven he seems to be. I think the Patriots are taking note of that and know that, you know, this might just be the start of what could become a great career for him. Um, having that interior pass rush is really big because you got Alan Branch is not much of a pass rusher inside. you got Valentine, which could provide some pass rush, but that's not his forte given his size. And Malcolm Brown can do a little bit of everything. But I think having him there is that third down interior rusher could be a huge niche for him where he can just take advantage of that, use his pass rush moves and make plays. I think that alone, um, having that over Kuhn who, yeah, he, like you said, he's a very solid player. No, nothing against him whatsoever, but he doesn't have a specific role where he thrives in um, per se. So I think that's something definitely where Anthony Johnson could step onto the roster and kind of coming in those third downs with, you know, some Trey Flowers, Shabal Shears, and Ninkovich coming off the edge and stuff like that and generate a pass rush um, without the need to blitz linebackers, which, I mean, God forbid, <laughs> the any team being able to stop Hightower, Mingo, and Collins now with the way they played. What, yeah. what, a, what a game for Mingo. I, you know, when I turned the TV on, you know, the first, the, the first play I saw – was Mingo just blowing past their entire offensive line and getting a strip sack. I think it mm-hmm. then gets called back, clearly yep. pissed that his strip sack gets called back. He then just does the same thing a second time and gets two strip sacks in a row. And in uh, post uh, in post game, they asked, uh, I think it was Devin McCourty, uh, about Mingo, and he said that uh, a big credit to his work ethic and that over the past week, that since he's come in, he's just been an absolute warrior trying to get onto this defensive um, 
defensive role, really trying to pick up the defense quickly. And, you know, he's already an incredible athlete. On top mm-hmm. of that, now they have the Greiger Hill, who made an insane play on special teams tonight. Another guy who is just a ridiculous athlete slash playmaker. So right now their entire defense just seems to be based off of this system of just having these linebacker and safety kind of guys just cycling in and out of blitzing and coverages, just confusing the the ever-living out of every quarterback they come across. This is going to be a really fun defense this year. Absolutely. I think Belichick has really kind of started to value that athleticism on defense, knowing that the speed the NFL is picking up and it's becoming – more explosive league overall. I mean, you look at players like Chung, who has the ability to be safety, corner, linebacker. You got Jamie Collins, who could line up on the edge or drop back. Same with Hightower with his size. And you even got, like, the edge guys. Sheard could play linebacker and defensive end. And you could say the same thing about Ninkovich and McClellan, all these guys that have such versatility that you can line them almost up to like three positions each. And it's something that's very exciting. And I think something that um, they're really going to try to emphasize is getting pressure from different points, mixing guys around, mixing up assignments so that it's not an easy to read defense. Um, my only concern at this point is to see how they continue to stack up against the run. Cause they don't have a ton of meat up there. Hopefully branch Brown and Valentine can provide that. Um, but at this point they just got, so much athleticism on that defense that it's going to be hard to really prevent, um, you know, them matching up well to any offense at this point. Mm -hmm. Now, one guy who really played his way onto the roster all preseason was Cravon LeBlanc. I mean, this guy, I I never heard of him before. I just knew that coming out of school, once I saw they picked him up, you know, I see a guy who's 5'9", doesn't have great, a great 40 time, you know, just, Seems to be just an okay athlete, just and just comes out of nowhere, and basically just earns a roster spot. I mean, as great as Jonathan Jones has been, and Daryl Roberts have been over the past, or Daryl Roberts uh, over the past two years before he got hurt. I mean, I think LeBlanc kind of stole that fifth spot from them. Daryl Roberts and Jonathan Jones might not even make the practice, or they the, they might not even make it to the practice squad. So it just goes to show how deep the secondary is. Yeah, absolutely. I think over the last few weeks, LeBlanc has definitely kind of solidified that role, mostly, I think, for his play on defense, where Jones, I believe, his strong suit is definitely on special teams, but his roles are already filled out by players like Slater and King and Gregor Hill, where he's not exactly going to have a role um, if he's not able to get one of those special teams roles that are already held down by I mean, some of the best special teams players in the NFL. So I definitely think that's where LeBlanc has a huge advantage over him is that his ability to kind of match up on defense. I mean, he showed great um, ability to stick with receivers. I mean, stick with Ted Ginn downfield, that's that's no small feat. Yeah. He's able to stick with him on the hip, and then he's been able to play the ball. He's been physical. I mean, yeah, like you said, he didn't have great uh, – testing numbers before the combine uh, or after the combine and his pro day and stuff like that. But um, as we've seen before, like with the Edelman's and the Butler's, it's not always about the numbers. It's having those natural instincts and abilities that, you know, come to light once you step on a field. And I think that's something that he's got. Uh, Hopefully he's not seriously hurt here and we'll start seeing him as kind of that fifth quarterback 
come come Sundays, but uh, hopefully we get more information on his injury and uh, his future in the next few days here. So, obviously, I, I guess every single year the Patriots have that one surprise cut. And I kind of guess Terrence Knighton was that cut. I mean, I'm not really sure if you would <laughs> pin him as a surprise after his struggles in practice and on the playing field. But looking at their roster now, I mean, they really do seem to have a pretty solid idea of what their roster is going to look like. You know, the, the cycling around of the 49 to 53 is going to be a little bit interesting. But mm-hmm. is there anyone on this roster who you just don't think is going to make, is just not going to make the team? Is there any surprise pick that you choose or no? That's tough. <laughs> I mean, in terms of guys that we expect to make it, it's, it's so tough. I mean, I can't see any big name that we've been predicting um, to be cut here. I mean, safety is an interesting position because uh, Ebner, we don't know how um, back he is um, from rugby. We don't know how good a football shape he's in and all that. I mean, Belichick loves him. He's a uh, four special teams unit kind of guy. I don't see him being cut. Jordan Richards, it's only his second year, and he made a play tonight. And I think they still like his leadership and his instincts and kind of his intangibles there, so I can't see that happening. Mm-hmm. I really, it was, I'm going down the entire roster, and I guess maybe, God, it's tough. I, I can't really see anyone that would be a huge surprise. Maybe Brandon Bolden, I guess, would be as close to a surprise as I could see, um, just because his primary role is that special teams um, kind of running back there, and he doesn't provide much upside on offense. He's not a bad running back by any means, but you got to wonder if he's bounced in favor of someone like Tyler Gaffney, who had an up-and-down showing tonight but has had a fairly consistent offseason, hopefully if he's healthy and all that. But other than that, I really can't see too many people that would be considered a surprise at this point. So... Coming into this offseason, uh, we had a lot of players on the past roster who were just very talented, but we didn't know we're going, you know, we didn't know how the roster was going to play out. But now that we've seen a lot of these guys, and we've seen how a lot of these guys can uh, put up on the football field, is there any surprise guy right now that you think is going to be a core guy by this time next season? Um, Malcolm Mitchell would probably be my safe bet in that regard. I really think that um, with his ability to pick up the playbook, we saw how athletic he was. Um, if he can step up, because Danny Amendola probably isn't going to be here next year, with Mitchell's ability to line up inside and outside, with his down-the-field ability and his route running, I think he could be someone with Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan who could really step up in that offense and become, you know, hopefully the wide receiver of the future here. Um mm-hmm. Because he's got a huge, huge ceiling if he's able to continue to grasp this playbook. Um, other than that, Thuni, I mean, I think that's everyone's assuming that he's going to be amazing forever <laughs> based on how he's done this preseason. But, yeah, but I think those would be my top two, especially um, with the offense, having a lot of uh, a lot of question marks in certain areas. Mm-hmm in terms of running back, wide receiver, and whatnot. I think those are two guys I would say 
to the very bright future going forward. So his last question for you, do let you go here. You know, as someone whose uh, opinion I really do respect, after seeing this whole roster, Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to literally do anything in the first quarter, Tom Brady playing an entire half of football in the fourth preseason game, this has been chaos. I gotta know. What is your final prediction for the first four games of the season, and has it changed since since this since we knew that Brady was going to be suspended? Well, I still feel pretty confident about three and one. I know a big part of that is I think we can't see the game planning, and that's where the Patriots win so many of their games is that they game plan better than anyone. And that's something that the preseason really can't account for. They're doing situational football. They're You're seeing which guys can go where and whatnot. But I think once they're able to game plan, I, I bet this defense could be top three in the league easily with how talented they are. And if they're able to, you know, stop the Cardinals uh, offense potentially with, you know, John Brown being a little banged up and a few other guys, um, either not stepping up or whatnot. I think this three and one, I think is my, I want to, I don't want to sound cocky here, but it might be the minimum, mm-hmm. um, for them because the other teams that they play, Houston, um, God, I'm forgetting the schedule here. Yeah. So yeah, Arizona, Miami, Miami looked god awful at times this preseason. Um, Houston, we still don't know what they're going to be like altogether, but, can't imagine they're going to be too much of a threat. And then the Bills have just gone downhill so fast here over the last few weeks. Yeah, talk, so, yeah, talk, I, talk about a team with a lot of promise that just gets ravaged every year by injuries and Rex Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there were so many things that went wrong for them this offseason. I almost feel bad. Almost. almost. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say 3-1, and one, which was my prediction back then, is still very reasonable, and I would make that my expectation for the first four weeks. Well, thank you again for joining us, Adam. Mm-hmm. I really do appreciate it. Everyone, go follow him at Patriots Inform on Twitter. You will be much more informed by the Patriots, I promise you. <laughs> Adam, I hope your fiancé feels better, and I hope that everything's going <laughs> well for you. you over there in Illinois, and I hope you enjoy the game against the Cardinals in a week. All right, thanks, man. You too. Have a good one. See ya. That's going to do it here for the Patriots Beat Podcast. Thanks to all of our lovely Patriots crew and to Adam Bogdan for coming on. We will see you guys next week after the Patriots take on the Arizona Cardinals.